0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.
1: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, the day after Carolina Coastal Division champions, Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. Listen, unfortunately, I totally forgot that Buck was not available um, after the Wake Forest game. So we will 100% get Buck on one of these podcasts this week to discuss this. But I don't know how to put it in perspective, man. I've uh, seen a lot of football games over a lot of years, and 9 and 1. We'll steal Buck's words 9 and 1. Doesn't matter how it happened. We can talk about it. We will talk about it. But Carolina is nine and one in Coastal Division champs.
0: Yep. And let's just take a moment to to mourn the fact that El Jefe is not with us this morning because man, I would I would have loved to have heard him on this game.
1: (laughs) We will definitely get him in. He uh he is out on assignment. We'll call it that. Life happens. Some weddings happen, and Buck <laughs> is out there. Um, so it won't be as fun a show, but we'll certainly break it down. Just your general overall thoughts. I mean, I, I've got one. Um, I said nine and one, but I've got another one.
0: Uh, Drake May for Heisman. Jason, what you got? I mean, that's a good place to start. But the other thing that I think really needs to be uh, there, there needs to be a tip of the cap to the to the to the defense for the second half. So you know, you look at, uh, the second half numbers, the defense gave up 8.3 yards per play, but only 13 points. They stiffened up when it really mattered in those last couple drives. And in that fourth quarter, they gave up zero. And ultimately without that, you know, Carolina didn't, didn't punch it in. They had a chance to, to score there on the one yard line, had a chance to score and, Wake Forest drove the field, looked like they were going to score on that drive. And Carolina was able to get a stop there. And that really was the difference in the game. I mean, they, they, the defense did not play well as a whole in terms of between the 20s. They gave up a lot of yards. They gave up a lot of yards per play. They gave up some big plays. But you got to say something for a team that, that bows up at the right spot and doesn't give up points. There, there is a mentality to that of you know you may get knocked around a little bit but you never get knocked down you never get knocked out and i think that makes a that makes a big difference so i think that's something else that needs to be brought in here uh the other thing too is you got to think about uh, i think you tip your cap to some of those younger receivers too once once green went out downs was out for a while and you know you saw Copenhaver is a young young tight end with two very you know two key catches of uh, over over 20 yards. Uh, Blackwell had a couple catches. Pesor had a clutch catch. So you had a lot of contributors in this game without which Carolina does not win this game. but yeah, Drake May for Heisman is a good place to start.
1: Yeah, he's just fantastic uh, but let, let's talk about the defense first because you talked about the second half. look at that fourth quarter drive chart for for Wake Forest. Turnover on downs interception, turnover on downs. This is after they had put up five touchdowns in the first three quarters. and I admit I haven't watched the game again. Um, I was obviously there and we were way up um, in the corner there so there, there's a lot to, to look at when you watch it again. but what did what was Carolina doing differently, Jason there in the second half? Did you see anything different or was it a purely a, a get after it more? effort
0: um I I think it was more just get after it I mean they they did they did go back to some of the stuff that they did early in the game in that first quarter so they went back to some uh like oaky type looks uh you know Wake Forest was was ready to run the football in certain cases but they went to some like 5-2 type looks where they they went big on the on the defensive line in certain cases uh they did that certainly coming out of the uh coming out of the end zone on that uh on that long drive uh so they did a little bit of that and then other than that i mean they they brought some pressure a couple times and they got gashed when they did it as we predicted that's one thing i was a little surprised by uh (laughs) by chiswick's approach at times in this one because he was much more willing to bring you know six seven guys at times than than i would have been against uh wake forest given the uh uh given the results that i'd seen in prior games but and they got gashed when that happened. But really, what it boiled down to is when they got down into the uh, into the red zone, and you know they're they're driving. What inside ten minutes or so, a couple guys just made plays. I mean, you, you saw uh, or you saw um, Power Eccles make a make a key stop. They they, they blitz him off the edge, and he just sniffed out where the ball was, made a key stop on third down that that was that was critical uh and and you know came rucker made space for him on that play and then on the uh on the fourth down play there they came out in that oaky look where again you've got basically what an okie is is it's a it's a it's a five two front where you have five guys on the line of scrimmage and then you're going to have two backers behind them well in that okie look they did it a couple different ways but they they did this where uh when Wake Forest went with some reduced sets, some tighter splits, things like that, they brought uh, the nickelback or you know, whatever, whatever you want to call Boykins because I think he's more of a linebacker, honestly. Uh, he's just a, a smallish linebacker. But they put Boykins, and sometimes they actually used uh, Ra in that role uh, in, in, during this game, but they put Boykins on the line of scrimmage where you would normally line up a defensive end in a 5-2 front. So you've got three bigger defensive linemen of which one is, is, uh, is Rucker. So he's the power end there. You've got three bigger defensive linemen. Then you've got your edge guys where you've got one, you know, your, your, your Jack, your hybrid defensive end. And then you've got Boykins there. And from that, they, they brought five guys and they, they dropped one of the ends. So it's not like they brought a ton of pressure that, you know, this is just a standard standard look. But those guys won some matchups. I mean, if you if you take a look at what happened there, the, the guys that were that were there, they compressed the pocket and they managed to take away what Wake Forest wanted to do. And, and the, the key thing here is that the, that the, the coverage guys actually reacted well be, to what Wake was doing. I mean, I, I looked at the at the formation and the format of what they were doing on that fourth and three. And it's like, oh, I I, th- I think I know what they're going to do here. And as soon as that guy went in motion, it's like, yep, they're going to be they're going to look at this particular concept. And they went to it and Carolina sniffed it out. The guys in coverage just did their jobs. They were there. Hartman was not comfortable pulling the trigger. And so then he tried to run it and you had proper rush lane discipline from the defensive line. So it's not that they did anything, you know, schematically so much, it's that guys just turned it up and finished and did their jobs right at the end and you know that's what good teams do good teams finish good teams ultimately bow up and make those plays when 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 the season or when a game is on the line and we've seen time after time this carolina team you know not really play well on on one side of the ball at times and then when they've needed it when it's been a one possession deal when it's a Got to have this to win it. They keep they keep managing to do it.
1: it, it timely. Uh, I mean, absolutely timely. Let's talk a little bit about the Cam Kelly play. I hope that's one of your breakdowns. Oh, yeah. Uh, when you put them together this week, um, all I saw was a guy open. <laughs> and then I saw Cam Kelly come across the field uh, and make a play. What would you see on that one?
0: So, yeah, that one was one where as soon as it happened, even if it hadn't been a pick, uh, I was going, oh, I'm looking at that one. <laughs> because – What Carolina did is they again, they they they're playing run with the front. And so the the thing that's tricky and and you remember in the uh, in the WCHL segment, uh, I'd mentioned that if you are going to blitz them, you have to you have to do it judiciously and you have to use some stuff that's going to buzz under where they usually like to throw their RPOs if you do come after them. Well, that's kind of what they did here. So, so what they did is they they they're playing run hard on second and eight here. And it's a it's an RPO, it's a glance route RPO. So it's sort of like a um actually actually it's not a glance, it's a uh, they actually run this with like a square in, so it's a little deeper than what a lot of teams do. But basically, the way that they're looking at this is if the safety on that side of the field and or whoever's responsible for that hook zone where that, uh, that square in is going to come across, if whoever is normally going to be there comes downhill against the run, then Hartman's going to pull that ball and throw the in. So that's what they're, that's what they're running. What Carolina did here is they had Cam Kelly as a robber in this role. So it's a zero deep coverage. So it's zero coverage, but they do have a robber. Against the three receivers so there are three receivers in the play on this rpo for uh for uh wake forest and cam kelly is designated as the robber his job is to take away in breaking routes and so he's initially sitting on the slot receiver there but he he kind of recognizes right away like wait a second that's not going to be the primary here he's running a stop And as soon as he sees that, it's like, okay, I'm gonna get underneath. And he gets underneath. He finds work. He looks across, knowing that that's probably coming on that other side against that run concept. And came right across underneath it. It's just a really heads up, smart play from a guy who's the free. He's the free safety here. He doesn't have a a specific coverage responsibility. uh, In this, in this, uh, once they once they keep that tight end in. And so he essentially becomes a, he becomes a robber and he did exactly what his job is going to be, is supposed to be there. Find work, undercut whatever you can. And that's that. So I suspect by the way, if they had actually released the H back or whatever, he's probably in, in man there. But uh, since they, since they didn't release actually, no, the H is on the other side, they would have had to release the back. So as soon as it's a, a run action, he's just got to find uh, he's got to find, he's got to find work there. And he found the work. And came across, and, and that was that was ball game.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, he came out of nowhere there, at least from our vantage point, and made the play. That's his third interception in two years against Wake Forest. So he is, uh, he's definitely, he's timely. <laughs> I mean, well, we
0: talked about that all got,
1: Yeah, and he got cooked. early I mean, he he had some mistakes early in the ball game, um, but he steps up. Just sort of expound on what you saw from the back end for the most most of the night. I think Wake Forest, and this is what we talked about: if you blitz, or if you try to blitz, you better be prepared uh, to cover somebody. Wake was seventeen point eight yards per completion on the <laughs> night. Some big some big plays for Wake. What did you see from the back end? Because I, I want to cover this defense more because, quite frankly, leaving the game, my thought. Was all of the people that have banged on this defense, and some rightfully slow, need to eat some crow when the game's on the line? Because is nine and one, and how many times has the defense made a play at the end of the game, like you mentioned, to seal the win or to get the win?
0: Yeah, I, mean, I, I think the the back end. Look, they got they got roasted some. Um, you know, they took some risks, uh, and. They gave, up, they gave up some big plays. I mean, you, I'm looking now, looking at the big play comparison here. You know, they gave up seven passing plays for 233 yards, including a 60-yarder and a 32-yarder for a score. So, I mean, that's, that's not great. But at the same time, they made some, they made some key plays. Uh, they, they did a good job of sitting on some of the, the core concepts that, that Wake likes to throw. And you could see the big corners actually. Storm duck. You think about the one, uh, the one play on the sideline, where At Perry has the ball in his hands, and Storm kind of just b- jostle. You know, gets his hands in there and punches through just enough to uh, to jostle it and create a uh, an incomplete pass there. You know, those are things. That's fourth quarter. That's just playing through the hands, playing proper effort enough to disrupt what was a sure catch on the sideline before he before he stepped out and it was the little things like that that they did where fight it's just the extra little bit of fight where they made a couple of the key plays on the margin so they gave up some really big ones and you know didn't look good at times but they they did win some some plays on the margins and when you're playing on the margins, that's that's what you have to do to win these kind of games. I mean, I mentioned in the prior podcast that you know Florida State outplayed this Wake Forest team, but they lost like five or six plays on the margins that were the difference in the in the football game. You know, uh, a back shoulder fade to At Perry, similar kind of concept. Where or not that actually wasn't Perry. Never mind, that one wasn't Perry. There was a, a third down, another third down conversion to Perry that was like this. There was a. a, a you know, back shoulder concept that corners in great position, couldn't cover it much better, and just didn't get his hand th- through the ball, just, you know, missed it by a couple, you know, a few inches. And then Wake Forest scores on that instead of getting stopped on that drive. And that's the difference in the game. Well, in this game, you have a similar thing Storm Duck gets the breakup. You have, you know, a fourth and three down there. And, Wake Forest scores a touchdown there, and this game might be out of reach. And instead, you you just make the play on the margin and they they come up a half a yard short. It's those things that the defense, back end, front end, I don't care. That's the stuff that, that really has been the difference. And again, giving up big plays, but also making enough plays on the margin to win. And when you've got Drake May, when you're, you know, when you're gonna have that dude, well, you know, the, you, you you don't you don't have to win every play, you just have to win enough that your your offense that they have to that they actually have to win some against your offense, and that's gonna be tough. I mean, we talked about this too, also the WCHL thing. Uh you know, y'all asked, you know, what 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 do you think the magic number is? <laughs> and you remember my response to that was I'm telling Gene Chizik, if you can keep him under 34, then I feel like my offense can probably is probably going to win this game. Well, they, they hit 34 on the number. (laughs) exactly, And that was barely enough, but that's, that's what they did. They hit the, they hit the number they needed to hit. And, you know, it feels almost like they're reverse engineering that like how many, how many stops? Like we're not going to, we're not going to be able to choke this team out. We're not going to hold them to, you know, six, three, 10 points or whatever, but, you know we're gonna see they're gonna have twelve total drives, right? That's what they had, including the one right before the half, which was basically a kneel down. Uh, so you know, eleven drives, how many times if we if our offense has it eleven times, how many times do we think we can score on them? All right. well, let's see. can we get one, two, three, four, five, six. Can we get six stops on eleven drives? Can we just bat fifty percent? I think it feels like they're kind of doing that where it's like, just sort of playing a little bit of roulette of like, can we just get stops on more than half of our, or around half of the, of the drives, because our offense is going to score more than half the time. And, and I think that's, that's basically where they're at.
1: Yeah. Somebody asked me in the parking lot uh, before the game, what, what does the defense have to do for Carolina to win? I said, make wake punt three times, wake punted three times, three times. And then they stepped up and made some plays. Uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but I wanted to go towards the defensive front. A lot of people are saying it's the best the defensive front has played. Um, you know, maybe. Uh, what you see – we talked a lot about blitzing, and a lot about pressure and all that, and I don't have the grades in front of me or the pressure grades or whatever, and you may. But what would you see from the front seven? I, I thought there were times where they got stoned but there were a lot of times where Carolina had a guy running free in the backfield, or at least coming through on Hartman. And I thought one of the big plays, probably one of the aha plays for me was when Ra Ra got through and used his athleticism. Hartman's not going to outrun anybody or juke anybody, but Ra rah stayed um, right on him and made a play, a sack down there at, at our end, the Rams club end uh, of the stadium there. What'd you see from that front seven?
0: They moved him around a little bit in this game. I mean, that's one thing, is that they, they they used some stunts, they used some they they used uh they slanted him a decent amount, uh and just tried to create some movement against Wake Forest up front. I think that's one of the things that uh that I saw is defensively, they they didn't want to just let Wake Forest line up and know exactly you know, basically, just get you know, turn this into a vertical displacement situation where Wake Forest could just get upfield or, or do their usual stuff. They they slanted and moved those guys quite a bit in this game, uh, and more than you know, bringing extra bodies. It was more about more about that on a lot of the plays that they had success, and you know, you had some guys, uh, Rucker in particular, win a number of times with just quickness, just beating his guy across his face doing some of that. And then when they, when they were doing this, they were pretty gap sound and uh, you know, there were, there were some mistakes there. They, they were not uh, as consistent as you'd like to see, but by and large, they, they, they didn't make a ton of mistakes in terms of of interior gap discipline because wake makes you pay for that. Uh, They did a lot of uh, one. I think they used some, some bigger, bigger front personnel at times. A uh, little less Jack involved on the interior. Uh, Jack was consistently on the edge instead of on the interior. Uh, you know, sometimes they've they brought him inside against other teams, but uh, you know, I th- I think by and large they uh, they just they played physical football against a team that wants to push you around in- inside and uh, and uses a lot of double teams and things like that to to cause you some frustration. And they just did a good job overall in terms of being physical, reestablishing the line of scrimmage. And like I said, moving, moving around a little bit, they, they got some things, uh, got some things taken care of and they got some tackles for loss. I mean, actually, I don't know how many tackles for loss. Let me look at that. Cause they had, they had a number of them in this game. Uh, Yeah. They only had, wow. They only had two for minus 16. I guess the thing that makes it hard is sometimes on that, that slow mesh, you get what looks like a sack, but it's for one yard because, you know, he's behind the li- he's behind the, uh, the offensive line, but uh, you know, on the uh, basically aligned up on the line of scrimmage at that point, they, they, they got a number of those plays where they, they held up enough that it was not a clear give read. And, you know, again, it's a, so much of this for the defense was they did enough. And, and that's kind of where this, where this fell down to.
1: What do you think – here's what I was going to ask when we we're talking about the defense, and we're going to switch to the offense after the break. Shout out to the 430-plus folks that are in here on the Sunday morning on the day after with Inside Carolina. Uh, Jason Staples there. I'm Tommy. Buck is off today, um, but his column will be posted shortly, and that always gets a ton of reads and comments. So be on the lookout for that here in a minute. What do you think there – and I, I personally thought it was a good decision. I think they had to do it. But what do you think about – Mac trusting his defense enough to punt it there with five minutes left, six minutes left, giving it back to Wake Forest and Sam Hartman. What what was your initial thought there? Because I can I know <laughs> we've seen that movie as Buck likes to say and I like to say, and it's just kind of a slow, painful death for North Carolina. Um, of course, Cam Kelly makes the play. What did you think of that decision?
0: The funny thing is that I agreed with it in the in that moment. Did I feel comfortable with it? No. Uh, And if I'm Mac Brown, I definitely don't feel comfortable with it. But they they given field position, given that that was fourth and four, and you know you're you're at six minutes. I mean, it's five fifty five on the clock when they on that fourth down. If you go for it on four, and they'd had trouble on on fourth down all game, right? This was this was a game where they had not uh, had success. I mean, they they were over two on fourth. They've had great success on fourth down all, all year, but you're 0-2 on fourth down to this point in the game. That's got to factor into your decision-making, right? So you're looking at fourth and four with just under six minutes left, and you're on the minus 32, 33. You know, I looked at that and I'm going, like, if it's fourth and one, maybe even fourth and two, I might go for it there. But they'd been getting after you a little bit in uh, on the, on the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's how they got, how they got you there in that, in that position to begin with is they'd been getting after your quarterback, a decent amount. They'd gotten into the backfield some. So at a certain point you have, to you have to make that decision. I also thought it was the right decision to go for it on, on uh fourth and one on, you know, going into the end zone. I, I that, that was a tough decision I know a lot of people probably question that one saying you got to you got to take the 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 field goal and get the lead there but you know I think the right call there given the flow of the game is you got it you got to score touchdowns and you're you're half a yard out and you've been pretty good on fourth down all year you got to trust your quarterback there you got to trust your your offense and then got to trust that your defense will find a way to get a stop in 99 yards so I agreed with that one and I agreed with the punt decision I, I thought both of those given where it was in the game and given how the numbers work out I thought both of those are the right decision
1: yeah I agree 100 percent that you have to punt it there and the question um you know we were talking up there is who do you trust do you trust Drake or do you trust your defense and uh Matt clearly decided to punt it and trust the defense and it worked out I I would agree with that decision every time, though, um, no matter what, because if you don't get it there, then Wake Forest just eats clock and kicks a field goal
0: and puts you down four. Um it, fortunate Wake didn't kick a field goal on fourth down on their end. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But that's the one that I thought may, may have been a bad decision.
1: Yeah, I don't. There was a lot of gunslinger coaching yesterday. I mean, just like USFL, we're going for everything, not kicking field goals, but that play, though, when Hartman on the fourth down where he fumbled it forward, is that's the play, right? That was fourth down where he fumbled it forward and they yeah. said they stopped him. Woo.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think he might have actually been down before the fumble there. I mean, I, I haven't gone back and looked closely at that replay, but I thought he was down. Knowing the way, rules,
1: though. Knowing the rules had props to my kid, my son. He was like, you can't fumble forward. You can't fumble forward. And, yep. and that's what happened. So uh, just crazy um, – chain of events there north carolina's defense gets it done carolina wins 36 34 we're gonna come back after the break talk a little bit uh, about some offense Uh, i think i think carolina did all right on offense at times didn't on on other times in a couple plays from drake may specifically this is the game plan day after podcast it's been a long day folks the day after podcast that's jason staples i'm Tommy ashley johnny t-shirt support them they support you, as the Inside Carolina Premium Subscriber, they support this website as great sponsors of these podcasts and these shows and all this content you get. You get 10% off if you're a premium subscriber. You got to be. You got to be a premium subscriber. You get Jason's film breakdowns. You get all the recruiting news. Join us on the Inside Carolina Premium Boards. And oh, do me a favor. Anybody in this chat that's not subscribed to the YouTube channel, do it. National guys are going to pay the bills the day after. We'll be right back. It's the day after podcast inside Carolina. I'm still missing Buck Sanders. And as a, as you know, and as I mentioned earlier, Buck will be back with us next week. Uh, but Jason, um, Buck sent one word to me. He said nine and one. And everybody <laughs> kept asking, I guess that's three words. Uh, everybody kept asking, how is this team nine and one? How is this team nine and one? Let's get to the Drake May portion of the program. I think he had 519 yards total offense. Um, and quite frankly, he missed some throws and had some drops that, uh, probably would have had over 600. what did you see from him, especially late? I thought that he took a couple hits that maybe bounced him around, maybe shook him up a little bit, but I mean, the guy just keeps straight on getting it done. And then Josh Downs is laid out in the end zone with full body cramps as he describes it. (laughs) <laughs> gets an IV, comes back in i mean i don't know what else we can say about these guys
0: yeah if you've if you've ever had full body cramps you know exactly what he's talking <laughs> about i've had that happen a couple times and first of all kudos to him for getting back in there after that because you know i've i've had it so that you you know after the full body cramp you're basically you're, you're ready to just lay down and, and go to bed right there. I mean, it's over. <laughs> so, so for him to go in and, 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 uh, and get, you know, doctored up a little bit and then come right back out and then make a couple huge plays after that. Yeah. Uh, but actually the thing is you you mentioned, so as you were formulating your question, you said, what'd you see from him? The first word that that came to my mind was toughness. And Then you talked about that, that he took some shots. He took, uh, you know, he, he, he got, he got lit up a few times and a couple times, you know, on a slide or in other cases where he, they, they, they definitely went after him a bit. And thing I saw from, from Drake as, as much as anything was just flat out toughness. And, you know, a guy that isn't just going to stand in there. Isn't just, uh, isn't just gonna gonna take those shots, but is gonna fire back on his own as well. And and how did they close this game out with him running? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's the thing. He was the leading rusher in this game, 19 carries for 71 yards in this game. That that tells you all kind of all you need to know about where they were offensively. Is that it was the Drake May show all around, where essentially. Wake Forest kept having the right answer to a lot of what Carolina was putting out there. And then sort of like playing a uh, I don't know if folks out there play, you know, trump type games like spades or euchre, you know, these sorts of things, but you know, Drake is that trump card you just put down on the put down on the table when you know, they've got the right play, they've got the right play and you just happen to be holding that card and you go, "All right, that'll win that'll win that hand, all right. It's time for me to take that trick." And Carolina kept doing that and that was enough and the thing is that's despite they had a a, uh, uncharacteristic drop from Antoine Green they had an uncharacteristic drop from from uh, downs at one point Uh, Drake missed a couple throws like you mentioned although I mean look 63% on the day and he wasn't just throwing at the line of scrimmage I mean yeah Um, so despite all that despite not having their a plus game despite playing against the defense that played i think better than i, I expected them to on the whole they, they, they played physical and they they did a good job of getting after carolina's core concepts drake kept hitting his number two guy or you know in certain cases just putting the ball on the number one guy where nobody else could get it so yeah it's um can't say too, you can't say enough about a guy that I think should be the, the Heisman front runner right now. I mean, Carolina's nine and one. What do you think their record would be? And, and look, this is not a knock on, on, on Jacoby Criswell. He's a good quarterback. So let's bracket, you know, you have this whole thing of like Carolina might be a three win team without Drake may. Okay. Well let's, let's put some, let's put the, let's make this a little bit more of a, a fair thought experiment. What do you think this Carolina team would be with Sam Howell at quarterback? I'd say
1: not nine and one.
0: They're not nine and one. I mean, I I don't think they're that. So, I mean, you think about this. Do they beat App App State in that game?
1: I do not think so.
0: Probably not. So that's one. Going to lose to, to Notre Dame, too. I think they probably lose this one. Although this one this one might have been I mean, given how Sam played against Wake Wake the, the last to- couple of years, I might give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. <laughs> but I don't think they're nine and one. I think they're, you know, six and four, seven and three, somewhere in there. And that's an NFL quarterback, y'all.
1: Yeah. And Drake is beyond NFL quarterback. I, Drake I mean is a
0: franchise quarterback.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, Looking at the, the stuff here, right? another nine receiver day. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine receivers caught passes. Josh Downs, of course, leads the way with eleven for one fifty four. But you go all the way down. JJ Jones and Kobe Payzel caught twenty five and twenty two yard catches. Just the way he distributes the football. And, and wait, I thought Wake Forest at times looked really, really aggressive on defense and, and attacking more than I had. It seems like, you know, they can do it once in a while, but I thought they played a, a decent day on defense and Drake just shredded them. You talked about it. it just slice you up underneath whatever you need to do. Um, I said before the game, killing with the tight end. Oh, yeah. And Copenhaver and Morales and Nesbitt. Uh, I mean, what what are that? Tight end catches, five, two, seven, uh, nine catches from the tight ends. Uh, I mean, what did he do wrong in this game, Jason? What what did you see from Drake May that you said, ah, oh, he's just not playing as well? Is there anything out there other than, I think he did miss a couple throws that he normally makes? But
0: yeah, I think it's really that. I, I didn't see anything glaring that I go, oh man, ooh, you know that that was tough. Uh, you know he, he didn't he didn't see that or, or this just a bad a, a couple bad decisions. He missed a couple things that you know he had a he had a guy open earlier in a couple cases got it out a little bit late um actually the one third down the one fourth down conversion where he went to morales probably sticks out as the one play that that of all the plays in this game i'd look at and go may missed it that's the one because he was open early and may just was late on the throw uh and i think he was looking elsewhere and misdiagnosed a little bit and then came to him too late and then missed his spot just a little bit, partly as a result. And that's why that, that fourth down didn't happen, but that was a, that was one he normally makes. That's one where, you know, he's just slower on the processing than normal. When you're getting to that point where you're nitpicking at that level (laughs) and you know, the one throw, Running full-on sprint to his to his left, throw across his body to a guy that's covered, but throwing him open toward the middle of the field, yeah. that, that was just absolutely filthy. Just filthy. And if you're a defensive coordinator, you look at that and you're like, you ain't beating that. Like, not just tip your cap. It's just like, all right, here's my money, man. You just go ahead and take it. Like that, that's so bad. And, and look, if I want to really nitpick, I could say, well, you know, he could have put that ball another yard out in front of the receiver and he might've gotten, you know, been able to run through it for a longer game. <laughs> but I mean, there's only a few guys at any level that make that throw. I mean, that's an Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, Mahomes, Mahomes uh, you know, Josh Allen type throw that just, you, just, uh, you don't see guys make that, you, you know, you, you, you got also uh, the guy I compared him to in preseason. He also makes that. That's what, four guys at the next level? And that's it. That, I mean, that's there there, there. there might be a couple more, but I mean, that's a throw that not very many guys see, let alone attempt, let alone execute. So, but, but again, you asked what he did wrong, and he missed that. He missed his spot on that throw by about two and a half feet. So,
1: and he's 19 <laughs> and he's just scratching the surface. Um, all the guys you're comparing him to are NFL players with plenty of years of experience. I mean, it's just fascinating to watch. I mean, you could see that throw um, from anywhere in the stadium. It was just like, what did he, what, how did he make that throw? And quite frankly, he's done it multiple times. It's not a one off for Drake, he continues to make the great throws somebody's talking about deep passes and all he I think he's a little short on those look
0: he hangs those out a little bit he's still getting you know I don't think he has as much that, this is one thing I said preseason I don't think he has as much natural touch as what uh Sam Howell did on some of the deep balls Sam was an elite bucket bucket throw mm-hmm. thrower I mean you talk about being able to throw the deep posts the vertical you know the your your deep takeoff routes and that sort of thing. Some guys just have it innately in them that they're going to, they have exactly the right amount of touch on the ball. They, they, they consistently hang it there to, uh, to uh, put that, you know, on the receiver in stride or whatever. I think Drake's still getting a feel for that. I think some of it is mechanics. Honestly, I think he could be a little bit better in terms of his deep ball mechanics. He's also been throwing throwing that a little bit late at times. Uh, I'd like to see him get get that ball out there a little earlier than he did on you know for, for example the one that hung up I'm trying to remember who that was who that was to uh, on the deep post route I think it was to Blackwell uh, that that he had a he had a, a couple steps and then got brought back uh, by the throw if Drake makes that throw just a, a beat earlier then that even hanging it up there a little bit it probably it probably scores so some of it's that. Um, so it's, I think that's the one thing during the off season that I'd really, uh, uh, that's one of the things there are about three things I'd have him working on in the off season. This is a guy I'd love to be <laughs> doing, working with as a private quarterback, uh, tutor just to get him on a few things, just certain things mechanically tightened up. Cause there's almost nothing to do with him, but it's like working with an elite, you know, PGA pro where, okay, you might have the, uh, some of the most natural ball striking ability on tour, but if we can just get this one tiny thing in your setup addressed, then we don't have to do anything else. Well, with May, there's just a couple things, you know, a little more knee flex in the pocket, not bouncing quite as much and just a little bit more emphasis on ball, ball control, ball security. That is in, in the pocket, two hands on the ball. And beyond that, it's just rep out throwing some of those bucket throws with, with touch a little bit more. And you're looking at a guy who's a, a finished product, basically, as a thrower. Yeah, so it's,
1: it's a whew. to your point yeah. there, we are definitely picking nits talking about his game. Uh, I mean, he can, he can do most everything. And Jason, I mentioned it earlier and I didn't mean to cut you off there, but he, he's 19 <laughs> and he's going to get a lot better. And somebody asked John Sink in the chat said, uh, "You changed your pick from a L in the preseason show to a win when we picked on Thursday night, and then on yesterday, he's why? I mean, give him a chance, and Carolina can get it done. And Drake did. Um,
0: Josh Downs, can, real quick. I'm going to interrupt. Yeah, you I was going
1: to say, go go to Josh.
0: Yeah, Josh Downs. By the way, the last three games, 40 hmm. catches." for 459 yards and five touchdowns
1: and everybody knows he's getting it
0: if he had not played any other games this season so this is per david hale if josh downs had not played any other games this season other than those three games he'd be ninth in catches in the ACC.
1: I think he's pretty good, huh?
0: That's on the season, by the way, not just in ACC play. He wouldn't just be ninth in ACC play. He'd have the nice mo- ninth most catches in the conference in three games. And that's five touchdowns in those games, too. And he is just a monster in the red zone, which is hilarious to say about someone who's as small as he is. Normally, you think red zone, you know, red zone ace, and you're thinking, you know, six four jump ball specialist or whatever but josh is just he's just so slippery that if you do not bracket him down there and sometimes even if you do he's just going to shake free he dang had another one that, that wound up on the one yard line that honestly he just should have run it about a, a half a yard further but i mean you're looking at that dude we talked about it. You know, does he make May better or does May, you know, it's a it is a symbiotic relationship where those guys make each other better. And and I think we saw that in this game that Drake played well. They still moved the ball and they still uh they still scored without either green or downs on the field. So that shows you, I mean, that guy's that good at quarterback. Downs just makes it so much easier for everybody. I mean he just opens so much up for this offense because some of the stuff he does as a route runner and 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 as a elite big play threat at wide receiver just makes it so much easier. It opens everything up,
1: yep, he draws eyes like you've said in the past, and uh it allows eight other guys to get catches <laughs> for for Drake May in Carolina. Somebody in the chat mentioned, and we could go down the laundry list. I mean, Nesbitt was fantastic early. Uh, that Copenhaver made catches. I mean, just all the way down, you can go. Uh, let's talk about red zone play calling. Somebody asked that, and I'm trying to find it in the chat. we got so many people. we got almost 600 people in the chat. I can't keep up with all the chats, all the comments, but props to everybody for joining us. Let's talk about red zone. Was it two times they were down there? and couldn't get it done. What would you see on those uh, – I know you can break it down more after reviewing tape and all, but I just thought Carolina left a bunch of points on the table that would have made this less of a heart attack game for everybody watching. What would you see?
0: I saw a few plays on the margin that just wound up not – so we, we just talked about this on the defense. The defense made a few plays on the margin that, that were the difference. I saw a few plays on the margin down in in the red zone that just Wake Forest defense made those plays. I mean, that's the thing at at a certain level. And and I've heard this from multiple coaches. I've experienced it as a coach myself. When you get down in, in the tight zone, especially so inside the 10 yard line, so you got red zone and then you got, you know, tight red zone. When you get down in the tight zone, at a certain level, I mean, you can Philly special it sometimes do different things to, you know, really get one. That's a, that's real easy. Okay, fine. But as a rule down in that tight zone, it boils down to, you need to have somebody make a play, whether it's on offense or on defense, you need to have somebody just beat somebody. And that's, that's what happened a couple times. Wake forest had, it, you know, you think about the one, where Carolina had the opportunity to to basically go ahead there and break open the game and you hand the ball off and they've got a guy three yards in the backfield making contact on the on the running back just have one one little miss block little bit of leakage there and it's enough to to stop the stop the play and the thing is the back broke that tackle he won his part of the play but he's breaking the tackle 3 yards deep in the in, in the backfield gets back to the line of scrimmage which is a good run by the way but you get one little miss where those things down in that zone that it just everything happens so fast and everything is so tight that one little mistake by either side is the difference and so that's that was that play. You've got, you know, Josh they go to Josh Downs on on a uh, little pivot route or whatever and Wake Forest covered that so well. I mean, look, Drake may put it on him. Perfect throw, great route by by Downs and he gets tackled on the half yard line going out of bounds. I mean, that's just the defense being good enough to keep it from getting in the end zone. And making a play one on one. I mean, one on one with Josh Downs down there, and he gets a he gets a gain, gets down inside the one, but not quite enough. So, you know, I'm seeing folks saying, "Well, we didn't even give Elijah a chance down there." No, no, they did. They they gave him some carries down there, but you got to be able to block it. And you know, Wake got penetration the couple times they did. They couple other times they they went to some of the things that have worked on the season and it was covered. So May didn't have a, a good place to go. Drake also you actually mentioned earlier you asked where did he make some mistakes? This was another one where uh he he took that one sack at the end where they're down inside the five and it's why they had to kick the field goal. Uh he took that sack on first down. That was a bad one. He's got to throw that out of the end zone into the cheap seats. And then you've got a chance to score a touchdown there and feel a lot more comfortable about that last drive. But, you know, that was another mistake. You can't take a sack there. You're, you're inside the five yard line. You throw that into the cheap seats and then you're, you know, still second and goal in a position where you, you feel like you can still at least threaten them with the run. And, you know, the next two plays, he did put it in the, in the cheap seats because they covered them. They covered everything. So at a certain point you just tip your cap and say the defense in that tight zone they bracketed Josh Downs they they took away a lot of what you do and you know you tip your cap and that's that they 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 won the one-on-ones in there yeah, Other teams we, on scholarship too
1: That's exactly what I was about to say other other guys got play other teams have players too and Wake made some players made some plays the only the only real play i didn't like a ton is i, I don't like that counter pitch or, or whatever they call it where elijah green's trying to get to the pylon and, oh, on, and the, on the
0: two two point play yeah from yeah. from the from the what one and a half there uh, I, i'm not a, i'm not real keen on that one either but but they've had a lot of success on that in the past Yeah. so i mean i understand why they ran it but wake was ready for it because they've run that about three or four times in the past in, in in that kind of situation in the past several years. Yeah, so absolutely. Wake, Wake, was, Wake was prepared for that. That's great prep by Wake's uh, defense coordinator. Yeah,
1: they get paid too. And, and the thing is, there was no cutback there. Everybody said, was yelling for him to cut up field. There was, it wasn't there. No, the, and the design cover. of that
0: play, I mean, the way you coach that is, you've got the fast, you're telling your back. And look, Elijah's fast. Like he's a, you know, he's a 4-4 guy. The design of that play is to tell your guy, win the race to the pylon. That's your job. Because you've got a yard and a half or three yards or whatever. You're know, you normally calling that in tight situation. And this is a win the race to the pylon. Turns out, Wake's Wake's DB there is also real fast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that guy could run because Elijah Green's outrunning most guys to that. But I mean, folks forget how many times they've run that. They ran that play with Michael Carter, and they ran it last year a couple times with uh, the transfer whose name is escaping Ty me Chandler. right now. It's been a long day.
1: Ty Chandler,
0: yep. yeah, with Ty Chandler, and Ty Chandler won the race to the to to the pylon a couple times, and Elijah's not a whole lot slower than than Chandler. I mean, Chandler's really fast, but Elijah's not slow. Elijah's about as fast as Michael Carter was. Maybe I think he actually might run in the forty a little faster. Uh, you got to win to the pylon, and he just ultimately, Wake was prepped for it, and their 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 guy can run too.
1: Yeah, I agree with somebody who says time to retire that one. I,
0: I think they have run oh, it. I, I like it. You just have to have a counter off of it that you that you uh, that you run a little bit more.
1: So we are about 50 minutes deep in the day after podcast. Jason Staples, Tommy Ashley, Jason, you got anything left? Um, What's coming this week? I mean, obviously for everybody in the chat, 500, 600 folks in here, um, you got a ton of content currently on the website. Uh, There'll be some content. I'll talk to Mike and EJ and Ross will talk to shot and, Vip will have his show. I mean, just so much going on in Inside Carolina. And there's a basketball season going on as well. But, Jason, you got anything left for this podcast, for this day after show here? Carolina gets the Coastal Championship. Anything else you want to add, my friend?
0: You know, I, um, I, I think actually Rick Miner in the chat just asked a question that is a good way to wrap here. How does this team get up again on Saturday after clinching the, co- the Coastal? Um, I don't think it's going to be that hard. This is one of those things where when you have success like this teams are start a team that's doing this this sort of thing is starting to learn how to build on success. I and mean, you could ask that about several other games this year, you know like oh, how how are they going to come out of that? That was an emotional high to win that game. I mean last week was a rivalry win on the road went into went went late fourth quarter how do you come out of that and go okay well okay well you're playing for the division okay that's fine but right now if you're mac brown you point to the you point to the the standings and you say you know we get to that acc championship game with one loss we got to give him a reason to you know to consider maybe we maybe we should get a a a playoff bid not saying they'll give it to us but you know we might give them a reason to to really consider us that's that that's not hard to motivate and look this team with what i've seen from clemson the last few weeks this team can beat clemson do i would i pick them to beat clemson right now probably not but they're going to have more than a puncher's chance to beat this clemson team they got a better chance to beat this clemson team than the 2015 team did that team and so if you're Mac Brown, you look and you say, look, we are in November. We are playing meaningful games and it's not enough to just win the, the conference. Let's see if we can win out. And let's let's give the the pollsters, let's get or the the committee. Let's give them a reason to to think maybe those 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 boys in Chapel Hill deserve that that playoff bid because we don't know if, you know, there's going to be a one-loss champ from some other conference that they'll take take over us. What happens if TCU loses twice from now on? What happens if Oregon loses another game? Did they win last night? I actually didn't they see. Got, they got beat good. Well, there you go. Yep. So all of a sudden, you're like, wait a second. You know, they're going to, it might be between us at, you know, 12 and 1. If we can win, if we can win out, it might, it might be between us and, and a two loss SEC team. And they may actually, you know, 12-1 and ACC champ, guys. I think they get in. <laughs> I can't
1: believe we're talking about this.
0: But you ask how I'm motivating my team? Yep. I'm saying, look, this week, you're playing for more than just the ACC. You're playing for more than your division. You won your division. Let's move up a goal. Let's see if we can win the conference with one loss. And that starts by focusing and buckling down this week. That's how it- – so if I'm motivating my team, they say you don't want your team to look too far ahead or whatever. Well, sometimes you got to resettle them and say, guys, our biggest goals are still on the table. That that's not real common mid-November. Not not everybody gets a chance to have their big their biggest goals of their season still on the table mid-November. So now you get to buckle it up and play against a against a team that you should be able to put down. It's good, good opportunity. Which, by the way, I think they'll, I think they'll blow this, this, this Georgia Tech team out. So,
1: well, they, a couple things Mac said in the post game, and I think he's spot on here. Um, one, they made, a, they continue to make enough mistakes. Oh yeah, that it's pretty easy to see that it's easier to get better, or you can get better, and I think that's a great motivator. Two, yeah, they're Tech nine team, and one and have
0: not played a complete game yet.
1: Oh, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. And if they put it together, whether it's, you know, against Georgia Tech, NC State, or against Clemson, or beyond, it's coming at some point. And so that's a motivation thing. Um, I also think this Georgia Tech team beat
0: their butts last year. And granted. <laughs> and they could beat them again this year. I don't think they will. But, you know, you, you can just put that tape on and go, guys. <laughs> yep, And I'd have that running on loop in Keenan Football Center, Anyway, one last thing, by the way. All right. Just in terms of ACC, the ACC beat the SEC West Champ.
1: Who's the West Champ? LSU? LSU. Oh, yeah. Your team. Florida State's
0: legit. My, my, you know, my, my other, uh, the the other university of which I'm an alum (laughs) uh, beat that LSU team. And that was not a fluke. And Clemson's going to beat South Carolina. Louisville's going to have a, every every chance to beat uh, Kentucky. Although I'm not sure if Cunningham's gonna, if Cunningham's not healthy, I'm not sure they have a, have as good a chance there. He he got knocked out of the Clemson game. But you know this is going to be one of those things. What happens the next couple weeks in terms of those ACC SEC matchups? I mean Georgia Tech's going to get absolutely. I'll just I, several words ran through my head here of what's going to happen with, between them and Georgia, and I'll just say that they're going to get beat. that's going to be an ugly football game but um but the fact that the acc might have a winning record against the sec at the end of the year and you've got a non-fluke win against the sec west champ don't tell me that that's not something that's going to ultimately come up if you have a a 12 and 1 acc champion coming into the uh into the, the final week of playoff discussions you say, well, you know, you know, you got to have the second SEC team. They're better. Well, are they? Yep. because that Florida State team beat that LSU team. And then that Clemson team beat that Florida State team. So are they? That's the sort of thing that, that that's going to be discussed. So if I'm Mac Brown, I'm telling my team that that's that's what we're playing for now. Raise your goals. Raise your sights. Final final third of the season is about the big goals.
1: Indeed it is. Carolina 36-34 beats Wake Forest in Winston. Be interesting to see where they are in the polls. Um, the team down in West Raleigh went up five or six spots for beating Wake. Um, we'll see if Carolina gets that kind of bounce. A lot of teams lost. Um, you know, if you got Drake May, you got away. And, and Carolina has repeatedly shown that. Carolina nine and one shout out to Buck Sanders. Uh, We miss you, buddy. Shout out to Jason Staples for the day after podcast. Shout out to the 500. And I think I saw five sixty in here on a live show on a Sunday morning. It's a lot of folks. You guys make the, make the dream work here at inside Carolina. Keep doing it. Keep taking care. Jason Staples, Tommy, Ashley, Johnny t-shirt day after inside Carolina. Thanks folks. I'm trying to help you, man. You got you got babies running wild back there. If if you're on the YouTube chat, you'll see how this one came to a screeching halt. It's been fun, Jason. Appreciate it.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Tommy. <laughs>